was here the first year that we did the Easter Bunny Blast, and I'll tell you, it was a blast. And uh, it's going to be just absolutely fantastic. It just gets better every year. And we have invitations that you can give out for the Easter Bunny Blast, as well as posters. And so uh, they can be picked up at the information booth after the service. But uh, of all the opportunities to invite, and we've had a lot of opportunities to invite, haven't we? And everybody's been doing it, haven't we? <laughs> Not sure about that, but uh, uh, it's getting more and more people. And let me say this, I met people this morning who were here because somebody invited them. And there's people who are involved here because somebody invited them. One person told me about somebody invited two or three weeks ago. They've been every Sunday since. And so it's just great to have so many of you doing that. But if there's ever an opportunity to do this, it's going to be an easier thing than you've ever done as far as inviting. This is the way to go because uh, everybody's going to be interested in this, especially if they have small children. So be sure and do that. And some people say, to me, well, why would somebody have to have an invitation? I mean, they know that the church is open to everybody. Let me tell you, that is true, but not everybody thinks that way. People of different backgrounds, different faiths, what have you, they think they've got to be invited. I don't know what that percentage is, but it's a certain percentage that feel that way. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning, and uh, this would be one of those mornings when it would be good for everybody to have a coffee, because some of you lost an hour's sleep and I'm not the best at keeping everybody awake. I see people closing their eyes once in a while while I am speaking, and I always try to think the best. I know for sure you're praying for me, but uh, <laughs> when you start to snore, it becomes a little bit of a problem. And, and I know it's my job to keep you awake. I realize that. I've heard people say that to me before. But uh, I was thrilled with what I heard Pastor Dave say. It seemed like everything at the beginning of this service, it all had to do with the message. And, of course, it was very uh, on my mind, and so every word seemed to speak to that. And I remember, you know, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about seeing the Lord. You know, it says the upright will see His face. The pure in heart shall see God. The people who follow uh, holiness will see the Lord. And so... Uh, that is very critical, that we see Jesus in all that we're talking about today. I remember hearing about a guy who had had a tremendous, unbelievable transformation, and people couldn't, they just were astounded. How could somebody go from that way of life and that lifestyle to a whole, totally opposite lifestyle? How could that ever happen? And so this was so important to the people who were wondering, they sent a committee to meet with him, and the committee just asked him the question, and he tried to answer, and he was so filled with emotion that he couldn't get any words out. And so they pressed it. And finally, after a little bit, with tears streaming down his face, here's what he said, Pastor Dave. He said, I have seen Jesus. And I'm telling you, if we really see him in all that he is, in all that he wants to be, in all that he can be, then I'll tell you, it's going to make a difference. And, and this is kind of what I want us to hear here this morning as we think about, is this as good as it gets? Now, I want to remind everybody in my preaching, what is on my mind all the time is how this can help 
I'm thinking we all need help in the journey. And I want us to be helped today. So if you hang on to every word and you let the Holy Spirit speak, I'll guarantee you, you will be helped. And things can change even though you may be wondering and thinking, oh, is this as good as it gets? Now, I want to say this too. There's a lot of people who are on the right path and they already feel great that it's, this is great. I can't imagine getting any better than this. But then there's other people who are certainly going through their struggles and difficulties. And I, I met with Toni Wasson yesterday and her husband, and it was just good in spite of what she was going through to see a sense of peace and trust. And because I think, because they apply what I'm going to be trying to teach and preach here a little bit this morning. So there are seven pressures that, and of course there's more than seven, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on seven pressures this morning that keep people down and keep them feeling, is this as good as it gets? And it's just a part of life for most of us and at one time or another. And number one of those pressures is worry. People worrying about everything. And uh, there's a lot, and one of the reasons I think there's even more worry today than ever before, because there's a whole lot more things going on to worry about than maybe when life was uh, simpler 100, 200 years ago. Then there is hurry. You know, when I finished pastoring here, I was always hurrying before because there was more to do than I could ever get done, and I just was in that hurrying mode. And when I got finished pastoring for about three months, I took off, and I found myself still hurrying. And I would be hurrying here and there and ever. I think, man, what are you hurrying about? There's nothing to hurry about anymore like there was before. And so we can get in that mode of just hurrying all the time. And then uh, crowds can be a cause of uh, pressure, you know, and the traffic jams that we have to. I used to live, we used to live about a half a mile away, I should say a mile away from here, and, and for 30-some years never had a traffic jam. Now we live way over on the other side of the city, and I believe me, there was no fun at first uh, because of those traffic jams around 5 o'clock at night. And, uh, but now, if you have not been a part of something where a crowd has been a little overwhelming to you, I got, I got something that I could suggest. Go to Costco on Saturday. And you will see what it's all about. Anyway, we won't, don't need to say any more. You've already picked up on that one. And then the overwhelming choices that we have uh, today. You know, uh, uh, back maybe 100 years ago, they had to make their own toothpaste, so you just had one uh, kind of toothpaste. Now there's about 60 different kinds of toothpaste. And each brand, like Colgate, has about 25 different uh, kinds of toothpaste. So all these choices, and I don't want to spend a lot of time going into the details of all of this, but I used to think that 100 years ago people had a lot more difficult because they didn't have the modern conveniences and all the wonderful things that we have today that we have, but sometimes that just causes us to have to go through making more choices. And then, of course, loss, and we could talk about that forever, the losses that people have, the loss of loved ones, the loss of their health, the loss of finances, uh, these things uh, cause great pressure and pain for a lot of people, and uh, loss of privacy. Remember, you ever had a telemarketer call you? I mean, uh, we won't go into that, but, uh, and then conflict is another cause of and this is getting to be a bigger issue than maybe ever before because 
of the world becoming smaller and the mixture of all the cultures that there are and the languages and the different lifestyles and the different religions and the different backgrounds used to be, of course, 100 years ago, every, it was pretty homogeneous. We didn't have all of this. And then uh, people, people lived in the country for the most part. There was only one city that was over a million people uh, many, several years ago. Now there's hundreds of cities with over a million people. And so uh, the crowds and the conflicts and, and all the interaction is a cause for pressure for a lot of people. And then most people, big thing for them is the fear of the future. And it's just what if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if? They got the what ifs, and it's just plaguing them and constantly uh, causing them uh, grief and pressure and stress. A uh, pastor that I'm well aware of and know told about his sons who were very inventive and, and had great salesmanship skills. And one of these sons came to his father, who was a pastor, and, and he had in invented something they thought was going to help relieve stress. What it was, they took balloons, put sand in the balloons, and then uh, said, if you squeeze those uh, balloons, it can relieve some stress by just, it's going to take a lot more than that, I think, for most people. But anyway, so they went into his father's office and said, would you like to buy one of these stress relievers? And the father said, nope. And uh, so then he said, well, would you like one for free? And he said, yeah, I'd like one for free. And so the kid said, well, he said, you buy one and you get one free. So uh, anyway, pretty good, uh, pretty good salesperson, I would say. Now this morning, I want to be very, very clear as we get into this. I, I am not mystical. Maybe I should be a lot more mystical than I am. I'm not for pie-in-the-sky, sweet by-and-by stuff that isn't practical and really is just nice, they're nice platitudes to talk about and they're theoretical and it sounds so good and all this. I'm, talk, I, I'm for stuff that really works. And I believe what I'm going to teach here this morning from the Word of God, if we apply it, will truly, truly make a difference. And so you don't have to be in that mode of is this, this as good as it's ever going to get? You can be a mode of faith believing that it is going to get a whole lot better. I want you to know in Proverbs chapter 14, as we think of all these pressures, and verse 30, a tranquil spirit revives the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Another translation, peace of mind makes the body healthy in the New Living Testament. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. And so we can see clearly in the Word of God seven habits that can be antidotes to all these pressures that are making us feel, oh, is this as good as it's ever going to get? As it relates to the worry factor, and, and I, you know, I, I just kind of almost sense what might be going to happen here. It kind of troubles me a bit. It just seems so fuzzy and so general. But this is what the Scripture says, and I want you to look in Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, and we're going to go through this verse by verse here to see clearly the antidotes to what I've just uh, talked to you about. First of all, the antidote to worry, look 
to God to meet your need. Now, we've all heard that a thousand times, and, and uh, it just seems kind of general and fuzzy. But if we sit down and we're really determined to do that, and we're conscious of the need to do that, and we're determined to do something about it, then, my friends, that can make the difference in our lives. Uh, most of us are, all, are continually looking to others to meet our need. And, there's, and we're in a world today where there's a great sense of entitlement. Everybody should be doing for me. The government should be doing for me. And, and it's just an expectation of what others should be doing for me, rather than necessarily looking to God as the source and being responsible. You know, someone has put it this way, and it's not on the screen here, but it'd be a good one to write down. Never put your peace in what can be taken away. Never look to the thing for peace of mind and peace in your heart to something that can be taken away. So that means we look to Jesus. Because in looking to Jesus, that can't be taken away as we look to Him and have faith and trust in Him. We get to know Jesus. Now, are you hearing me this morning? This can make the difference. And if, but it's a matter of just determining and deciding. That's going to be my first step whenever I get this feeling and this overwhelming sense is to get to know him better. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Now listen to this. How shall he not, along with him, graciously give us all the things that we need? and the things that can make the difference. He is ready, willing, wanting to do that if I do my part and I look to Him. And that's where the rub comes so much of the time. It just seems too, it just seems too abstract sometimes. We look for the tangible rather than looking to the one who can make the difference. Isaiah chapter 30, 15 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Trust Him. Trust Him. Look to Him. Believe in Him. Trust that will be our strength through these difficult times that life causes us to go through. And then the second antidote in regard to hurry is to follow well, I didn't even read the first one, did I, from the Scripture? Psalm 23, first, verse 1. Who is our shepherd? Who is the one that's going to be there for us? The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. And so we look to Him. We look to the Lord as our shepherd. That is the beginning of the answer in a great and wonderful way. Now, when it comes to the antidote to hurry, what does it say in the second verse? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. Does He make you do that? Does He make you sit down and reflect and meditate? Does He make you take time off that you need to take off so you can get away from this hurry mode? My thing was, I just felt like I could never get caught up, no matter how long I worked, how much I did. 
In fact, in ministry, the more you do, the more there is to do. Because the more people you reach, the more people you have to take care of. And so it just multiplies. And, and, and uh, people wonder, uh, you know, why, what this thing is all about that I like to keep my vehicle clean. Well, it's not just to keep my vehicle clean. I get satisfaction out of completing something. Because in ministry, there's so much that never gets completed. And so it gives me a sense of relaxation to be able to get something totally done. And, and so the Bible makes it very clear that we're to take a day off. It's right up there with, the ten, with, with not committing adultery, not stealing, not lying. It is just as much of a command to take time off. And I got it figured out after too late, probably along the way, that if I take a day off, I can do more in the six days than I could if I didn't take the day off in the seven days of working all week long because there's just something about it that can be refreshing and help us to, to settle down. My best deserves rest. And that's something that probably in this hurry-up world a lot of us need to think. And who's our great example? Jesus. He was very precise and very discipline about taking time off. I remember hearing about a guy who called his pastor and couldn't get a hold of him. And so talking to him later, he said, how come I called you all day and I couldn't get a hold of you? He said, well, that was my day off. He said, well, the devil never takes a day off. And the pastor answered, that's what, that's what makes him so mean. And I would be mean too if I didn't take a day off. And so we all need to do something, and I know it's different strokes for different folks. I realize that. But we find what relaxes us and what can cause us to slow down. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. This is what the message says, which is a paraphrase. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best, there's that word best, by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. And I'll tell you, it will get better if you do it. But the determination and the decision that has to be made with all of us here as we listen to all of this this morning, are we going to, to do it? The fourth thing, no. Yeah, it's the third thing. All right, here we are. I'm sorry. Thank you, Pastor Dave. You are awake this morning. Hallelujah. This is good. I'm encouraged. Yes, the third thing. We, we all need, I may have blended the two a little bit here, but we all need to recharge our batteries and... Uh, and, and we see in that second verse, it says, He leads me beside quiet waters, the latter part. He restores my soul. He restores. Now, there's something about getting by the quiet waters that restore your soul. I used to take a day off when we could and go to our summer place, which is right on the widest point of the St. John River. And there was something about being alongside of those waters. Sometimes they weren't all that still, but sometimes they were. That I w it was just like something was feeding me. And I used to be bothered. I used to almost feel guilty that I need this time to, 
to absorb the feeding that I was feeling from just sitting there and looking out at the river. I mean, that sounds crazy. I know. And then I read one time that anybody in public life highly values solitude. And if you're around people all the time, and I love being around people, nobody loves it any more than I do, but every once in a while you have to take a break from it. I'm hearing about a, a president of the United States who had a place up in Quebec along a lake, and he would go there as, as much as he could, and, and, uh, and he, would, he told people, he said, this is like having champagne without the hangover. Well, I don't know anything about either, to be truthful, but I do know that it's a good feeling to be able to refresh and get restored and get built up a little bit. And, and, and you know, it says, uh, beside, the queer, queer, beside the quiet waters, there's something about beauty, and the world is full of beauty. There's something about beauty that inspires us. Every time I walk through my home at nighttime, when I get home for dinner, I am inspired because I see a thing of beauty. <laughs> some of you are with me, some of you aren't. And, uh, and, so, and so, well, you say, what's it like in the morning? <clears throat> How's this? Sleeping beauty. How do you like me now? <laughs> we had, a, we had a, a Mother's Day here one time several years ago, and they interviewed this little boy asking him about his mother. His mother's here. She probably's in this service this morning. I won't say who she was to and don't want to embarrass her. Very fine lady, wonderful person, very faithful and all the rest. And so they were asking him questions about his mother, and he was saying the right things. It was all great. And they, they said, what's she like in the mornings? Right off quick, he said, it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> but beauty inspires. And then number four, we look to God for guidance with all the choices. Choices, 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 choices. No end to the choices that we're all called upon to make because it says, in the middle part of that third verse, he guides me. Now, he guides you if you look to him. I, 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 I'm just afraid this doesn't get driven home. This reason I'm going after it with everything that's within me. It's a matter of deciding that that's what we're going to do, or it's, not, it's certainly not going to work. We've got to be conscious of it. It's got to be in our subconscious. He guides me in paths of righteousness. And so as I look to him, truly look to him, we look to Him for guidance. We look to Him for direction. You know, it's wonderful to be in the will of God because when you're in the will of God, the Bible says you'll get the desire of your heart because if you're in the will of God, He will want what you want and you will want what He wants because you're in His will. Give, uh, it says in uh, the Psalms, that I believe the 37th chapter and the 4th verse, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desire of your heart. I preached a message one time. I never preached it again, but it probably should be preached again. And the message title was, How to Get Your Own Way and Have What You Want. And how you get your own way and have what you want is to be in His will. 
because he'll give you the desire of your heart because he's going to want what you want if, you're, if your wills are corresponding. And so we look to him and delight in him, and, and this indecision can drive people crazy. But the Bible says, if anybody acts, lacks wisdom, let him ask. Now that's the question right there. Do we ask? Do we really ask? Or do we look to every source imaginable before we come to asking him for the wisdom that he is ready, willing, and wanting to give through his word? And that is the answer for all of us here today. We just need to ask rather than look at everything under the sun and everybody to everybody under the sun. And so he guides me. Then, number five, trust in the Lord in the dark valleys when there's loss. And those valleys, oh, I, I know, can be so dark, so desperate. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and boy, when people are through those valleys, there's all kinds of fears, fears that just grip and paralyze, really, grip and paralyze. But this Scripture says, I will fear no evil. 365 times in the Bible that says, fear not one for every day. He must have meant it to repeat that over and over and over again. But again, it is looking to Him in the times of loss. You know, we've all, as a kid, I remember shadows used to scare me half to death. And it talks here about the shadow of death. And sometimes a shadow can seem to be a lot worse because a shadow is always bigger than the reality. But what causes a shadow? It's gotta, there's got to be light in order for there to be a shadow. And what does Jesus say? I am the light of the world. And as we look to that light in the shadows and in the difficulties, and we get to know the person who is the source of that light, get to know him. There may be people here today that do not know him, that have never received him. And it's great that you're here. We're just thrilled to death that you're here. But there's a better way if we apply these truths as we get to know him. He is the light of the world. Psalm 142.3, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over me, watches over my way, <coughs> excuse me, in the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare from me, but in spite of the snares, he will watch over us. And, and I could, we could illustrate that all day long. That would be two or three other messages, really, to see how that people who have gone through their dark, dark, dark valleys have depended upon the Lord and how he's brought them out the other end, and it has been worth all that they went through. Number six, conflict. Conflict, all kinds of conflict in our world today. And we're all probably victims to some degree of criticism and condemnation and people who don't understand and people who put us down and people who are just always causing, stirring trouble and all that. And, and, and you know, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself at all. It's nothing, this is not about me whatsoever. Everybody in life has to go through that kind of thing. And we all have those who just see all the negatives rather than any of the positives. You know something, just remember this. Little people criticize. Great people compliment. 
And Jesus was great. He didn't come into the world to criticize and condemn the world. He came into the world to be the Savior of the world and to put the best construction on people to help them to be everything that he wanted them to be and everything that they could be. We read in Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God. My, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Now, he wants to be that, not just to David. He wants to be that to every single person in this place today. But we have to take action, don't we? That's in order for that to happen. We have to believe it can happen. We have to commit to seeing it happen in our lives. It takes some faith. 1 Peter 4, 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator, continue and continue to do good. Now, that's the key right there. We continue to be surrendered. We continue to be obedient. We continue to trust. We're not going to waver in spite of all these challenges and whatever we may be going through that causes us to say, is this as good as it's ever going to get? But we continue to serve no matter what. And then Jesus will be there. And when you get the criticisms, you know something? We're never more Christ-like than when we say never a word in our response to whatever put-downs we may get. That was the mode of Jesus. And he wants, and you want, to be like him. So that's the answer. Number seven, the fear of the future. Expect God to finish. Now again, that takes faith, expectancy. I'm going to expect that to happen. This doesn't look very good right now, but I'm going to expect it. Expect God to finish what he starts in me. Um, you know, when I first started the ministry, I hate to confess this in a way, but I was very untrusting because of a bunch of things that had happened. And I almost saw everybody as my enemy. So I wasn't even seeing my, I had so many enemies in my own head that I couldn't even see my friends, the people who really wanted to stand with me. I have learned to suffer from what I call inverse paranoia. Rather than thinking everybody's out to get me, I'm thinking now that everybody wants to do me good. And I feel a lot better thinking this way than I did that paranoid expecting everybody wanting to put me down or criticize or make it difficult for me. And so, we need to set a goal. Now, here's, here's, here's what some of you can decide. Hopefully, all of you will decide. I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to set a goal. And my goal is to believe this, what I've heard this morning. My goal, instead of believing for the worst, is going to believe for the best. Because that sixth verse says, Surely, goodness and mercy, goodness and love, that's quite a way to look at it. You could, you could, that could cause you to suffer inverse paranoia. Rather than saying, surely the bad and the enemies, no, surely goodness. I'm going to see it that way. And love, I'm going to see it that way. I'm not going to see all the negatives. I'm going to see 
the positives that there can be when I exercise faith, when I believe in the power of this book, and I apply these truths to my everyday practical living. It's not just theoretical. It is something that can be applied to my life right here, right now, as I put my trust in His Word and His direction. And so you set a goal. I'm going to change my way of thinking. I'm going to start believing for the best. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Anybody here? And you don't have to put up your hand or anything. But anybody here? Feeling, Boy, I need rest. I need rest from all this worry. I need rest from all this fear. I need rest from all these decisions. I need rest. Oh, do I ever need rest? Jesus is the answer. He said, take my yoke upon you. Anybody know what a yoke is? I went to Nova Scotia in 1957, fall of 57, and never had seen oxen before, but a yoke is something they put around a team of oxen to keep them together. And what I'm told that when they yoke like that, the oxen or horses team up, they can pull maybe four times as much as what they could on their own, even though you'd think it would just be twice as much. But there's something about the, the joining together and the unity that brings about a great result. And so, what do we do? We yoke up with Him. I mean, what more power could there be than that? And you will find rest from me because I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So what about it? What about it this morning? In your perplexities, in your pressures, in your stresses, in your pain, are you going to take a step here? For those of you who know the Lord, are you going to determine as a goal, I'm going to put faith in the promises that I have heard about this morning because they are as real as I am alive in this place. And if you're not a Christian this morning, I expect you're sitting here saying, oh my, that is exactly what I need. That is exactly what I've been looking for. That is the answer to the problems and the pressures. Because the problems can do damage to the body and the mind if we don't have somebody to look to for help. And we can find that answer are you convinced this morning? You can find that answer? Yeah. Amen. We can find that answer by looking to Jesus.